On today's episode of Meltdown to Mastery, we have a conversation with Sarah Webb. She has a story of resiliency, recovery, and triumph. After recovering some from some really difficult life situations and subconscious programming. She shares with us the neuroscience of how we change when we meditate and do deep breathing, but we really settle in on how to use the tool of gratitude. We talk about what stops us from healing, but also what the rewards are, including gratitude, when we decide to shine the light on the dark stuff and search deep. Welcome to Meltdown to Mastery, empowering women to overcome midlife crisis by rewiring the subconscious mind. Feeling overwhelmed, disillusioned, stuck? We all have. Here we explore inspiration and empowerment to navigate through the tough times and move to a place where hearts soar, minds manifest, and bodies heal. Welcome, everyone. Today we have Sarah Webb. Sarah is an author inspirational speaker, and self-proclaimed spiritual activist. Dedicated to leading an intentional life, her book, Look Lush, is a collection of poetry outlining her rise from ashes after a multi-man rape, coming out of the closet, and healing addiction. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much. So happy to have you. And I really wanted to share your story first, because it's one of resiliency, recovery, and triumph. And I'd love you to interweave a few meltdowns in there. (laughs) (laughs) It rolls off the tongue, right? Getting sober, coming out of the closet, healing from a multi-man rape. It sounds pretty easy. (laughs) All in between a couple of periods with a few commas, right? But there were absolutely lots of meltdowns, outright tantrums, you could call them. When we embark on any healing endeavor, it's usually a very young part of ourselves that's healing because all of our beliefs are ingrained within that first seven to maybe 14 years of life, but it's really between zero and seven when we don't really have the language to understand or describe what's happening. And my story does begin early. I was sexually abused by my father when I was very young. And what I didn't know until I went through some deep hypnotherapy in order to deal with some anger that was coming out. I uncovered several incidents where my dad sexually abused me. And so I later in life attracted a very similar situation where I was once again, helpless, eight men while I was on vacation with my family, no less in Florida, in a different city than where I now live, I was drugged and raped brutally. They really beat me up and I won't get in too much more detail, but a woman knows when things have happened to certain parts of her body and there was none left untouched. And I started drinking in order to push down what I didn't, couldn't what I felt like I wasn't able to handle. I didn't want to admit what had happened. 
I told my sister, I was 28 years old at the time. And I had been gay when I was in college and a little bit afterwards, but coming from the type of very strict Southern Baptist Bible belt family where I was raised, I knew that I couldn't be gay. I knew I couldn't marry a woman and have babies with her. So I drank and covered up who I was and the drinking made it much easier to be able to be intimate with men. When I got sober for the first time was when I got pregnant with my ex-husband. So I was 34 years old and I didn't drink a single day of my pregnancy, but I recognized during that time that I was having an automatic thought at the end of my workday that I was going to have a glass of, oh, I'm not going to have a glass of wine. I have a precious baby that I've been trying for years to get pregnant with. And when I finally started drinking again, once I was a full-time mother, it's in the culture to have champagne with your mom friends. And I recognized once again that I was using this in order to numb myself, essentially. And I had learned meditation when I was five or six months pregnant, a special kind of mantra meditation called transcendental meditation, and was really grateful that I had that as a tool to calm myself. My ex-husband was pretty flabbergasted because he was like, wow, your moods have just completely petered off in the last trimester of your pregnancy. What are you doing? So he subsequently learned the same kind of meditation, but it was in sitting with myself in meditation that I was able to admit to myself for the first time in a decade and a half, what had happened to me and look at my habits really meditation saved my life. And trust me, there were a lot of meltdowns in that period. I had a literal baby who was having meltdowns and as a new mom with no support, no family, pretty unsupportive spouse, I had several times where I just felt like I couldn't handle it. But every time I got quiet in meditation and invoked my mantra, which I do all kinds of different meditation now, but it was starting on that particular journey and having a teacher who could guide me and who I could call on that really allowed me to establish the habit of meditation and allowed me to leverage it during times of stress. Especially when I was going through my divorce, I started getting sober in 2018, but I didn't successfully have my last drink until December 27th, 2019. So I would have bouts of sobriety and then something would happen. And again, it's very much in the culture to say, I have had a stressful day. I need this. I deserve this. And it's mommy juice, right? (laughs) Baby has their bottle. Mommy has their wine or spritzer or whatever it is. And so I, as I got sober, I recognized that I couldn't be intimate with my now ex-husband without the mommy juice, without the wet blanket over my emotions. 
And so I started changing things and it took me that entire year of 2019 to get sober, come out of the closet and get a divorce. (laughs) And then after all of that was established, I really started delving into the deep work of healing that sexual trauma. And I, I really didn't know where to begin. And the beautiful thing about meditation is that when you get quiet, the intuition speaks. People say that intuition is that still small voice, whereas often the louder voices are those of anger or sadness or depression. But if we can get quiet and stop scrolling and reaching for material things or quick fixes, especially food, shopping, you name it, they're all addictions, especially the Netflix, right? Because it just keeps on rolling. It's like you don't even have to press play for the next one. It just keeps on feeding you with this information that isn't you mm-hmm. and that it's allowing it's allowing us to dissociate from what's actually going on inside. But when we turn off the screens and put away the chocolate and the shopping and the people that we might be addicted to and turn our eyes around and look within, we can begin to listen to that still small voice. We can begin to maybe ask a question, sit down with a question in meditation. I don't know where to turn. I really don't know how to heal this. And then maybe there's a little breadcrumb that gets planted in our mind. Ah, I remember Jenny a few years ago talked about some therapist that she used. And maybe that's not your therapist, but maybe it's again, that breadcrumb to follow, to eventually lead you to somebody that might be able to help you. So trust me, the meditation helps with the meltdowns (laughs) and the meltdowns keep on coming. I feel like the more we grow spiritually, it's like unpeeling an onion in layers, but I feel like the onion gets bigger and the tears get bigger (laughs) and the inability to see it's like, it just keeps on coming at you. It's like when you're playing Tetris and you're like, I don't think I can handle another thing coming at me so fast. So trust me, listeners and Jane out there, I am not perfect. And it's just, it's an incredible tool that I believe that everyone can leverage the power of the breath. We have our breath with us at all times, no matter where we are in the world. And it's the only part of our autonomic nervous system, that part of our nervous system that breathes and sweats and does all of those automatic things that we don't have to think about. It's the only part of our autonomic nervous system that we can control in an instant. Sure. You could argue that you could control your heartbeat, or you might be able to make yourself sweat by going and sitting in a sauna or doing some vigorous exercise or breath work. But Breathwork itself is an incredible way to tap into our personal power, our intuition, and liberate ourselves. We can change and move energy by changing the levels of oxygen and carbon dioxide exchanges in our body. 
So I'm really passionate about meditation, especially breath work in general, being a certified yoga teacher. And so I'm really delighted to be able to discuss all these really important topics with you about how meltdowns are not necessarily going to be avoided, but that we can have these tools in our back pocket in order to pull out during these crucial times. Yeah. And often when you're having a difficult time, someone will say, take a breath. Mm. (laughs) And I love how you say it's part of the, it's the one part of the automatic system that we can have control over and it affects every other part. And yeah, tapping into that and realizing that all the automatic things that happen in our body are linked. So the breath is so important. Slow it down and everything else will recover and slow down. Slow it down. Yes. And there's a reason why, as you so aptly said, people say, take a deep breath. And the reason for that is because when we're triggered, stressed, anxiety, whatever you want to call it, the first thing to go is our breath. And that's part of our survival mechanisms. We, as humans, thousands of years ago, when we were hunting and gathering, there's a reason why they call it fight or flight. Let's say there's an invading tribes person, we might fight them. Let's say it's a jaguar or a saber-toothed tiger, we're going to try to run. And so what happens physiologically when we're triggered, because today the stresses aren't tribes, people, or tigers. It's our boss or our spouse or our kids or deadlines or traffic or mother-in-laws, all kinds of different things that inundate us. So what happens is we immediately begin breathing from the top of our chest and all of our blood goes to our extremities so that we can fight or flee. Mm. That is not helpful for brain functioning because We don't need to actually fight or flee in most situations. We need to be able to think clearly and realize that we're triggered, stressed, that we're under anxiety and be able to deal with it. So not only slowing our breathing, but specifically lengthening the exhale is magical because our sympathetic nervous system is what gets triggered, activated when we're stressed, our parasympathetic nervous system is that rest and digest instead of the fight or flight. So parasympathetic is like when you take a deep breath, (sighs) notice that the exhale is much longer. Same thing happens when we yawn. That's our sign to our body that you can relax because when we're under stress, it's not a time to digest. And I do just want to mention, Jane, something that might be paradoxical. I am really grateful for what happened to me. I'm grateful for the opportunity to heal, the opportunity to choose differently, the opportunity to forgive. Because they say that anger is like daily drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I'm certain that those eight men don't have the kind of problems. Maybe they do, but I would imagine that they didn't go through the mental anguish that was subsequently, that subsequently happened to me as a result of that occurrence. Perhaps they have some other difficult things or guilt, but it's a really good demonstration 
if you're in your car and there's somebody who pulls out in front of you and you're yelling and screaming or calling them mean things, using profanity, it's your nervous system that's being affected. Maybe it's an old person. Maybe it's somebody that's on their way to see their wife having a baby. Maybe it's somebody who is really depressed and didn't even realize it. Or maybe it's somebody who was being rude. In any of those cases, the only person's nervous system that's suffering is the one who's getting angry. And so I made a decision to forgive. And a lot of that comes from my gratitude practice. When I first stopped drinking alcohol about 30 days in, I started to make a gratitude list every single day. And I sent it out to a few people. My brother was the first one who became my gratitude partner. Today, I have 12 gratitude partners. Some are in like groups of three and we all exchange gratitude lists daily. Sometimes there's affirmations and it's a really amazing way to keep up with my friends because I get a glimpse of what's going on in their life. And I have the opportunity to be gratitude, to be grateful rather to be grateful for things that are challenging me because it's just like they say, they say smooth seas do not make for strong sailors. We learn and grow when we are challenged. If you go to the gym or a yoga class or even on a long walk and you're sore the next day, the reason why is because your muscles have literally been ripped open. It is only through injury that we can heal. Healing requires injury. And what fun would our life be if everything were easy and we had no challenges? We would just be a blob with no spiritual muscles, no energetic gumption in order to withstand the things that life throws at us. So gratitude has been a really big part of my journey. And some days it's hard to make a gratitude list, but I can say unequivocally, it has absolutely changed my life. Beautiful. Oh, I love how I just wanted to comment on how hard it is to look at the inside and the pain and how we do avoid it. It's almost like a survival skill, but, and it is that fight or flight approach, right? It's the, we were, we feel like the tigers coming to get us. So we run, Mm. we escape, but when you do turn to it, it's not as bad as you think, is it? Mm. And yeah, sitting with it and shining the light on it is really powerful. So what you were saying is just incredible. And I want to go into gratitude more because that is such a powerful tool. And this is something I haven't heard before about sharing it with groups, because then not only are you sharing it with yourself and the universe, and it changes that inner energy, pretty, it's pretty immediate, isn't it? And but you're sharing it with others and that allows it to grow, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. It's powerful in so many ways. I wake up some mornings 
and have three or four gratitude. I wake up very early. So sometimes I'm the first to send it out, but sometimes I wake up on a weekend when I've slept in until seven and I get a gratitude list. I have multiple gratitude lists coming at me. So when I have a tough day, I have the ability to read what my close friends are grateful for that day. And it also keeps us accountable because we know there's this reminder of multiple people texting us and we're more present. I did miss a few days recently and I was shocked because I had read all my friends' gratitude lists and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've gotten so used to this. It didn't prompt me (laughs) to start on my own. But that's where we are grateful for the rest and we're grateful for the grace that we can extend to ourselves. So yeah, I absolutely encourage people to start the practice and there's so many different ways to do it. Sometimes people send a gratitude list in a book that they have, like my very best friend, Kyle writes his out every single day and sends a picture. Some people type it each day within the text message. I have a note on my phone that's a running list. So I actually have a record of it. And some people send it on voice notes. I sent a gratitude video the other day from an incredible experience I had with nature that I could not put into words. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. this is my gratitude. I was on vacation and I was like, this is my gratitude list for the day. And no no need to say anything else. And it's a great tool, like I say, because people will know when you're struggling. And I think that when we're having a meltdown, it's tough to reach out. Some people say it's that phone that weighs a thousand pounds to pick it up or call or text somebody and admit that we're struggling and that we need help. So if I notice that one of my gratitude partners has missed a few days, I'm likely to call them because I want to know if they're okay, if their head is above water. (laughs) So it's a multifaceted, amazing tool. And I highly recommend it for anybody because again, I'm really interested in neuroscience. So I keep on bringing the science in. I'm the kind of person who... I can't just do something because people say it's good for you. I want to know why. (laughs) And so forgive me, but I'll just go a little bit more into the brain and the physiology. Our brains have been keeping us safe, us as a human species, homo sapiens, for thousands of years. It's so amazing because like I said, when we were hunters and gatherers, there was a lot of danger. And so our eyes were constantly scanning for problems. And if we saw a problem, and let's say there's a fire in the distance and we think that our hut might be consumed by it, we want to prepare for worst case scenario. And preparing for worst case scenario when it's a life or death situation is a great thing. Maybe that will not happen and we will have prevented, or maybe the fire will have been extinguished before it ever gets to us. I'm just making up a silly example. But nowadays, when we see something that's particularly threatening, a 
person or a situation, our brains are still doing the same thing to keep us safe. And so so some people wonder why their brain goes down this rabbit hole of worst case scenarios. And all of a sudden they aren't in the present moment. They're two months down the road. I did it a few weeks ago. I was like, oh my gosh, if that happens, then this is going to happen. And if that happens, then I'm going to lose my job. And then if that happens, my daughter and I are going to be homeless. And it's like this crazy scenario plays out in our minds. And it is so beautiful because it has been sustaining us as humanity for millennia. (laughs) And so gratitude, that practice of when we're in a meltdown, being able to say, okay, what can I be grateful for in this situation? Where are my hands? Where are my feet? Let me ground myself in this present moment. Let me sit down, do some breath work, or just do some box breathing to oxygenate our brains, oxygenate our hearts, which will in turn oxygenate our entire body so that we can then assess the situation with a better frame of mind. And I have some recent gratitude partners who started because I had sent them, I had met them at a retreat and then sent them my gratitude list because they were on it. And they were like, oh my gosh, what is this? A couple who have now started sending them back within the past few months. And a few of them reached out recently and they're like, this practice has changed my life because it helps us to instead look for the good instead of the worst case scenario that sounds really scary and like we can't handle it, which is pretty much the definition of anxiety or having a meltdown. Anxiety is not an emotion. It is the feeling that we can't process the emotions that we're having or that we can't handle the emotions that we're having. So underneath anxiety is usually one of the four or five core emotions that scientists identify, anger, sadness, fear, and love or joy. And some people throw in desire And some people also throw in guilt, but my opinion is that guilt is a love child of fear, sadness, and anger, just in different percentages, depending on the situation. But gratitude transforms our ability to look at situations in our lives. It changes the way that we look at things that are going on. Because once we get through a difficult situation, we are grateful for it. How many stories have you heard about things happening during the pandemic or somebody losing a job 50 years ago and or 40 years ago, and it was the best thing that ever happened to them, or they got a divorce and it was so hard at the time, but it was the best thing that ever happened to them. So it's about in that moment, being able to recognize, okay, this is really hard right now. But I'm going to look inside. I'm going to lift up and see if I can see that silver lining. There's always something to be grateful for. We woke up today. We live in a thriving country. Our hearts have been beating since we were conceived. We're able to take a breath. We've got a roof over our head. There's 
always something to be grateful for. Yeah. And we often walk around with feelings of lack and all Mm. of our motivation is to get more. Mm. So, right. To recognize what we already have in this moment is really powerful. Do you have an example? Like your comment about if a friend hadn't done her list for three days, I'd I found that interesting because sometimes we end up still, even with all these practices, we still end up in that little bit of a black hole where we need some help to come out. But do you have an example of how you were in one state? I know sometimes you, we all just wake up grumpy in this <laughs> time too, <laughs> to use gratitude. But has that friend managed to pick herself up using gratitude? Or do you have an example when you changed your energetic outlook when you used gratitude and what it did inside? Yeah, I think that of late, the gratitude lists that I make are even more powerful because I'm a creative person and I don't like to reuse things, (laughs) it's sometimes challenging to not just list all the same things. Some of my gratitude partners, I noticed like, cause when I first started with my brother, we committed to five things. And then within about 30 days, I sent my gratitude list to somebody else and five items. It doesn't have to be things could be people on there. And somebody challenged me. They said, I want to become your gratitude partner, but I want to do 10 things and 10 people. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is really stepping it up. And now it's so easy to find the things that we're grateful for. I think that's the real key is when I'm in a tough spot, I am more likely to look for the good than previously. And I do agree with you that it's like, we have all these fantastic practices and it's like, we have to amp it up a little bit. It's I'm doing my yoga and I'm doing my meditation and I'm making my gratitude list and I'm still grumpy today. I'm still in a funk. And so we have to call a friend. And that's what a lot of people say is whenever you're down on yourself, call somebody else and just ask them everything about them. Don't talk about yourself. Just ask them what's going on in their life. It's like that saying that if we took all of our problems and lined them up on the street, and in a pile for each one of us. And then we were able to look through everybody's problems. You would take your own problems back because <laughs> they're ours and we understand them. <laughs> so yeah, it's really been a game changer for me. I can't think of any, you're asking me for something very specific and I'm sure it'll come to me after we get off of the Zoom call or maybe as we continue to talk. <laughs> I've had mornings where I haven't done this well enough. I'm behind in this and I just don't feel good enough about this. And then if I go into, okay, (laughs) I need to shift this and then start to go into gratitude. It just changes how you feel inside and you no longer think about those things even. Yeah. You hit on a really beautiful point because 
99.9% of people don't feel like they are enough in some way, that inadequacy, not tall enough, not smart enough, not rich enough, not successful enough, not talkative enough, not outgoing enough, not enough. And it usually boils down to that sense of worth and self-worth, our personal power. And so this is something that I think is constant. That's our ability to love ourselves. And really, we can't love anybody else until we start to love ourselves truly. And so that's where the gratitude comes in. And we can be great. I used to be really critical of myself and other people and have a hard time with my body and just really be working hard in the gym to try to change it. And today at 42, I love every centimeter of my body because it was given to me. And I get to walk around in it and experience life in it through these five, or I argue we have six senses because we have, of course, all of the ones that we know about, but we have the ability as humans uniquely to talk to ourselves about our experience, that metacognition. And that's where the gratitude comes in or the self-loathing. It's about that voice in your head. Maybe it's not the still small voice, but that voice in your head that's telling you this person doesn't like you. They are going to judge you. This horrible thing is going to happen. And so the practice of gratitude redirects that flow to every single day drip. We are beginning to look for the good. And especially as it continues, as I mentioned, we get through a difficult situation and then we're grateful because it's made us stronger in some way, shape, or form so that we do feel like we are enough, like we have value, like our life is valuable, like the things that we have in our life are valuable because the media loves to bombard us with images of what other people have and the things that we need. I was talking to my wife. I was flabbergasted by this. Listen, I love Amazon, but I saw on the back of one of the trucks recently, like happiness inside. The happiness is not inside of an Amazon truck, no. an Amazon box. It's inside of us. It's inside. That's where the happiness can lie. And I think our life liberty, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness dogma, if you will, is really difficult for the average American because there is only now. And we're talking about the pursuit of happiness. Mm -hmm. There's only now. And so it's just like the cartoon of a donkey where they tie a stick with a carrot out in front of the donkey so the donkey walks. Mm -hmm. 
If you are constantly saying, it's going to be better when, once I get a bigger house, once I find a mate, once we have a baby, once I get this job, once I get a promotion, you are never going to be happy now. And that's what gratitude does for us. It allows us to see what we have to be grateful for in this moment, in our lives at this moment, because there's only now. And that's why meditation is so powerful, because you can only breathe in the now. You can't breathe yesterday or tomorrow. You can only watch your thoughts in the now. And that's the gift of meditation, that meta cognition, that watching the breath, watching the thoughts so that we can become aware. The key to anything is awareness. If you're walking around with a kick me sign on your back or a dollop of sour cream on your chin and you have no idea and no one is telling, you can't fix it. And so, you know, coming full circle, my gratitude for what happened to me is profound because I wouldn't have the opportunity to heal had I not gone through said trauma, traumas, because it started very early with my father as the original perpetrator. Yeah. And yeah, it's deep in the subconscious and to Mm. even forgive yourself for that. And then the gratitude of what came from it and forgiving the people involved. It's like you say, liberating. Yeah. Dr. Sue Mortar is an, a contemporary author. She wrote a book called The Energy Codes. I think she has another book forthcoming as well. And I'm a certified coach with her program, Full Disclosure. But she calls the soul contracts that we have like bus stop conversations. It's like we come into these situations in our lives where we've made this agreement at the celestial bus stop up in heaven or before conception where we're like, I'm going to work on forgiveness this lifetime. And so will you please partner with me in this next lifetime so that, or the only lifetime, we have no idea. We don't know if we get multiple chances or if it's just a one shot, but no matter what, we're trying to vibrate closer to that love of which we are made. God is love and we are little drops of God. And sorry for getting a little bit dogmatic, but it's not related to any religion at all. I just, I believe that if we can get quiet and focus on what we're made of, because when we're triggered, anxious, stressed, we're not acting from our truest self. We're not being authentic. And it's during that, Dr. Joe Dispenza calls it that refractory period where we always regret what we did and what we said during that activated moment where someone has touched in yoga, we call it a samskara, some sort of a problem that we've had in the past. Somebody has triggered us And we always regret that. So if we can return to ourselves and go inside and realize, okay, I am triggered right now. I am stressed. I am feeling anxious. I don't feel like I can handle this, but you know what? I've got my body. I've got these tools. I know I'm going to be grateful if I just shut my mouth and don't say, or 
don't do the thing that I want to do in order to defend myself or run because that's that fight or flight. And so if we can just honor that and in the moment realize, okay, this is just a moment and I'm going to get through this and through meditation and through the practice of gratitude and affirmations, because I write affirmations often in my gratitude lists, we can cultivate that kind of mindset slowly day by reading our gratitude lists to ourselves in the mirror, saying affirmations, writing affirmations on sticky notes, or using a dry erase marker on our mirrors in order to really ingrain these new beliefs, empowering beliefs, so that we can replace the disempowering beliefs that we're not enough. Yeah. And it's like a muscle, isn't it? The more you Mm. use it, the more it becomes you and the easier it Mm. is and the more you recognize when you're out of it and how to get back and all these things. So absolutely. What an empowering conversation. Do you happen to have your gratitude list that you could read maybe three or four things from just to share how to get started with something like this? Sure. Yeah. Again. Okay. So yesterday I said, today I align myself with my life purpose. I choose enlightenment. I expand into the divine love of which I am made with every breath. Today, I choose gratitude for meditation, my wife, kindness, public libraries and public parks, fantastic Florida weather, birdies, kitties, raccoons, squirrels, and butterflies. My friend Beth, hugs, especially from Liliana, my youngest, intuition, and love. How beautiful. Yeah. Just thank you so much for sharing that. It's in, yeah. It made my day. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be delighted to be your gratitude partner if you'd like oh. to establish that. <laughs> Let's start one. And anyone out there, reach out. I would love to do that. Sarah, I would love that. Because gratitude, beautiful. I do it, but I do it when I need to. I haven't made it a daily practice. And I think it's something that is super super powerful. Now we're well, challenge find- accepted. Thank okay. You. <laughs> That's exciting. I've never, I've done a lot of podcasts, but never have I made a gratitude partner. So this is really unique. And it's, it's, it's going to be on my gratitude list tomorrow. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sarah, how do people find more of you? I am somewhat active on Instagram. I have a website they are one in the same Sarah Webb says that's S-A-R-A W-E-B-S-A-Y-S. So it's sarahwebsays.com. And then I'm on Instagram at sarahwebsays. I have lots of reels on there from a time when I was a little bit more active and about meditation. And I've just had some life changes and been directing my energies elsewhere. But on my website, you can find links to all the podcasts that I've done. This one will go up there as soon as it's published. And I'm an inspirational speaker and also lead meditation, guided meditation on Mondays and Thursdays. It's a half an hour from 1230 to 1 p.m. And then I teach meditation in person and online, same class, on Friday mornings between 10 and 11 Eastern. All of that is through a local yoga studio. So you'll find links on my website that will then prompt you to sign in and create an account 
through a company called Moments where they house all of their stuff. So I know it's a little clunky and weird, but it is possible to connect with me for very cheap instead of the thousands of dollars it costs to hire me as an inspirational speaker. And of course, you can follow me for free. My book is entitled Look Lush. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, in print, as well as digitally. And it's usually under seven or eight dollars. It's 55 poems that are short form, artfully done, just outlining the traumas and the way that I've healed with meditation from all these things that have been really big blessings in my life. Excellent. And no excuse if you live in Siberia or Alaska. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Click right in. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Jane. Super grateful to have. Oh, I am so grateful. Thank you. Many blessings to you. If you've enjoyed the information in this episode, share it with someone you care about and know will benefit. There's one thing for certain. Meltdowns are inevitable. Let's move into mastery together. In the show notes, you'll find my link tree, which has links to many of the most popular platforms. You'll also find links to connect to the featured guest webpage and social media. Thanks again for being committed to mastery. Change in this world really starts within each of us.